Good morning, everyone. Are you all well this morning? Ah, come on, man. That was that was awesome. Trish and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, um, we we're so grateful. We're just so blessed to be uh, just to have this opportunity, you know. And uh, as we honest, while I'm here this morning, I just like I can't imagine not being here for like this time. I just it feels like hard in my brain to even think like that, you know. Um, but, uh, but we know this is, this is right for now. This is, we, we obeying the Lord and, and we, and He's got, He's got a plan. He's got a plan for us, but He's also got a plan for you. And, uh, and Mabongi had this wonderful picture when we started talking about sabbatical last year. She said she was praying and she saw this picture of, of, uh, like a point over here and a point over here. And He said, and this is the starting point. And He said, I saw you, Wayne and Trish going on this route like this. And then you got to this point and then, we were over here, and we went to that point too. And then when we met, it was like we were, you know, we met at the same point. And we both have been on different journeys, but we got to the same goal. And so we're gonna, we know God's going to do something in our lives, but you know he's going to do something in, in you guys as well. Um, so, yay. 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 Thank you. <laughs> um, do you have a Bible? This is my last sermon for a long time, okay? So I hope you're comfortable. I hope you, you, you've got your seatbelt on and you're ready for a long word. No, I'm kidding, okay? <laughs> it's not going to be a long word. Um, you can go to 1 Corinthians 13. We'll, we'll get there in a moment, okay? Um, if, you, if you've been here for the last month, you know we've, we've kind of been talking about how God has, has destined His church to be great, and we've been looking at a prophetic picture of Isaiah, in, found in Isaiah chapter 2, where, where God says that one day the mountain of the Lord, the, the, the church, will be the highest of the mountains. And there will be people flowing to it, and um, there will be His presence there. And everyone will say, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, and, and we want to hear His ways, we want to walk in His ways, and... And the idea is that it would be the most influential place in society. That God, when He looks at His church, He desires it to be a place that's the most influential. That it's the most attractive place. It's a place where people want to be and people are streaming to it. And, the, and from out of it is just going the source of life and, and healing and guidance and truth. And, you know, just every, that's, that's God's prophetic picture of what He wants His church to be. And, and for the last month, I've kind of been just throwing that picture before us. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I spoke at the beginning of this month, and I said, guys, that, that picture is, will be a reality when there is a people who have faith, who see it, and, and want to be it. You know, that, that picture is, can just be a dream on the wall, or it can be a reality, depending on who reads it. And, and I spoke about how we need to be that community of faith that says, listen, this is God's heart. This is His desire for His church. Then that we would look at that and, and, and put our faith to it and say, right, let's, let's see how we can, we can be the generation that stewards that promise into reality. That actually in Durban we would have that. Amen? Um, and I remember I came up with the, the Three Hop Initiative. Do you remember the three hop initiative? What is the three hop initiative? Three of purpose. Okay, and and I was just trying to say, guys, you know, this is this is one way that all of us can actually play a role 
in, in making God's prophetic picture for his church a reality. It's one way that we can, that we can all play a significant part in it is by taking our week and, and carving out something that's sacred, something that's holy, something that's an offering, something that we can give back to God and saying, this, this space, this space is your space, Lord. This space is, is, is your space and I'm giving myself to your purposes in this time. Um, because ultimately we can all live for ourselves at the end of the day. Isn't that right? We can all just go to our own little lives and our own little things and our own little box and, and, and God's picture for, for what he wants his church to be can, can be neglected. Um, and we look over history and what we see is that there always, there were times where people arose and said, you know what? I want to be the generation that sees this. I want to be the generation that sees this. And I hope that us as Every Nation Durban will be the generation that says, you know, every promise that's there is for now. <laughs> it's for now. We want to be the generation that sees this and this and this. If God promises healing, we want to see that in our church. If God promises destiny, that we're going to be the people that walk in destiny. If God promises, you know, uh, provision, we're going to be the generation that sees his abundant provision. Um, and, and so, the, I, you know, I want us to say, let's, let's be that, hey? Let's be that community of faith that just says, God, you know, everything that you have promised, we want to see it in our time. Amen? So, so we spoke about that, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet created a three-hop in your week, go do it. In fact, ask the person next to you and say, do you have a three-hop? Three hours of purpose. Ask them. Come on, just put the pressure on this morning. Come on, turn to, turn to the person behind you and say, do you have a three hub? Three hours of purpose. Three hours where you're giving yourself to God's purpose. Um, <laughs> okay, some of you are doing a lot, obviously, because you've got a lot to say. Um, then also this month, we, 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 we spoke about we spoke about leadership in the church and, and we spoke about the trap of, of religion and how the church can so easily get caught into this trap where we just start making it about other things and not the thing, which is, which is the, the core, which is Jesus and the life that he's called us to. And we start making it about our clothes and about our, you know, our special prayers and our trinkets and our little things that identify us and all these other little protocols and positions and titles and we start making it all that stuff and not the real thing. And, and, I, and I hope that we, we, as we sit here this morning, we're a congregation that understands what biblical leadership is. And uh, as we've as we set our eldership team in place this, uh, this last week, um, I've, I really believe it's a significant time for us as a church. And it's really something Trish and I wanted to do before we go, and we're so grateful that we, we've done it. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you know, but you're really blessed to have a team like that. You really are. Um, and Trish and I, guys, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for covering for us. We know they're picking up a lot of the, the work in our absence, um, and we, we're really grateful for that, guys. Um, today... Final words for a long time. You're not going to hear my voice for a while, unless, unless you go get some sermons. I want to, I want to share a word which, I, which is God has put on my heart for us, and it's, and it's a parting word. And always remember that last words are important words, okay? And, uh, and really, these are not my last words. These are the, really the last words of Jesus that I want to focus on this morning. And, and what I want to talk about this morning is love, okay? 
Shall we pray? Father, this is nothing without love. And we wouldn't be here without love. Without your love, Dad. We would, we would really be lost. And without hope and, and facing a destiny that's so far from, from what you've put us into, God. And we want to say thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only son, Lord. Without which we wouldn't be here, Lord. And, and Lord, our desire this morning is we, to be a community of love that would, would know this love and reflect this love in all that we do. And I pray that you would help me this morning to articulate this word. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would come here this morning and fill our hearts with the love of the Father. Um, Lord, we, we want to taste and experience this love that you have for us this morning. We want to see it in a fresh picture because I know every time we see it, it transforms us. Every time we just catch a glimpse of it, every time we just get a little more of it or a little better understanding of it, God, it transforms us. We're never the same again. And we know that we need to change and we know we need to be more like you. And so I pray that revelation would flow this morning. I pray that wisdom would flow this morning. I pray that you would be in your house this morning and that you would teach your people this morning, Lord. And that all of us, Lord, we hear you this morning, that we'd have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that are wide open and ready to receive what you have for us. Amen. Um, so if there were two ingredients, uh, Tiki, that, that looks good on you, by the way. Mac, <laughs> Mac you've got to be nervous when your wife's holding babies, eh? <laughs> looks really good, I'm just saying, hey? <laughs> Um, if there were two ingredients that really, really make the church attractive and influential, the first one would have to be the presence of God. You know, with, without that, we, we're just nothing. You know what I mean? We just, with, without the presence of God, we, there's nothing attractive or influential about us. The second ingredient would have to be love and the love of the saints. You know, the climate... In, in which church is meant to function, or the context in which church is meant to be to function, and the way we meant to live our lives together is all to be defined by this word called love. Can you look at somebody this morning and say love? Love. It is. You know, when 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 I arrived in church, to give me an idea, when 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 I arrived in this church, actually some 14, 15 something years ago, I'm losing counts now. Okay. When I arrived in this church all those years ago, I was, I was a young bachelor, just really confused about life, really not knowing where my life was going, really broken, really just, I don't know, just really, I don't know what else, I, and I, but I came because I just got born again in my bedroom and I was here. And I thank God that when I got here, I encountered love. You know, the, the community that's, that was in the church at that time, I mean, I arrived with this old raggedy Bible, and I remember this, this, this grandpa and granny in the church, they, they bought me a new Bible. They were trying to say, you know, that thing is... <laughs> it, it was, they bought me this, like this brand new study Bible. Um, and, and, I, and I remember just 
some people inviting me round to their home for, for dinners. And, and when you're a bachelor, that's like, that's like unbelievable. You know, that's like, that's like Christmas, you know. You don't, you don't have to have a toasted sandwich again for dinner, you know. It's like you get roast chicken or something. You know, I, I remember the inviting round. And then I remember like when life was tough, people showed up and they, and they prayed with me through that tough stuff. And I was going through whatever it was, whether it was sickness or was business challenges that I was in, and I had friends in the church who would actually come and they would pray with me and they cared about my stuff. And it was a revelation to me because in the world, the friends that I used to have, you never shared that stuff with them. You never shared with them, I'm feeling hopeless, I'm feeling like I'm messed up, I'm feeling like confused. You kind of, you just say, how's it, bro? How's it, man? You good? I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Let's go drink. <laughs> you know, it, it, was just, it was just so surface level. And for the first time, I, I started to understand relationships and, and understand that, 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 that there is this thing called love in the church. And this, this is the thing that God has called us to. And, and ultimately, this is what the church is supposed to be characterized that we're not characterized by the fact that we come to an event on a Sunday morning, but that we're a group of people that are intimately linked in friendships and relationships that are characterized by love. That that is actually what is meant to be the defining factor of what the church is. Jesus said this in John 13. He said, by this, all men would know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Can we read it? By all will know that you are my disciples if, if you have love one for another. In other words, he didn't say, you notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you go to an event on a Sunday morning. He didn't say this. He didn't say, um, by this you'll know that all, men are, that all men will know that you are my disciples, that you've got a nice fish on the back of your car, <laughs> or whatever the, the other bumper sticker is, or because your screensaver is, you know, Psalm 91. Or, you know, he didn't say by those things. He said by what? In other words, the love that we have right here, right now, in, in the room here for that we have for each other is meant to be the defining fact about us. It's meant to be the thing that other people will look at and go, you must be a Christian because you do this. Not because you go to a Sunday service. Oh, you go to church. You must be a Christian. No, no, no. Because you have love one for another. And isn't it much easier just to go to an event than to actually know people? I mean, people... You know, people are messy, people are complicated, people are needy, people are, you know, it's, it's like, but Jesus is saying, guys, I, I'm not interested in having events. The, I'm not interested in having uh, a, a, an organization that can do things. What I'm interested in is a community of people who will actually love each other. And so God will, you know, we could have church this morning and we could have incredible worship, which we did have, and we could be in a very organized and excellent venue and we could have all the right things that, you know, a church should have and PowerPoints and, you know, all, we could have all of this. 
But if there's no love in this room, if you don't know somebody else and somebody else knows you and, and you're walking and journeying with other people and, and there's friendships happening and there's all of that, then God says that's not church. You, you've had an event, but, that, but, that, but that's not what I'm building. You, you ha- love is meant to be the defining factor. It's meant to be the thing that makes church what it is. And, you know, the world that we live in right now, we've made it all about a service or an event. And we haven't made it about relationships and about connecting with others. Um, and I know this is like a, this is like a, a, a sticky subject because, because we, you know, we, we all think, well, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, I'm busy. My life is full with other people and all of that sort of stuff. And I, and I know that is true. Okay, that's why we have three hub. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let's journey a little bit more. Let's journey a little bit more. Um, notice how he says there also in that scripture, he says, if you have love one for another. It's, it's like it's something we can have and not have. How many of you have spoken something in love and you know you've, you've done the right thing? And then you've spoken not in love. You know, we know the difference of being in it and not in it, okay? There's this, we know that, and he's saying here, if you have love. It's like this, like we could have it or we, we couldn't have it. And maybe that's why Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and when he was writing to them, he said this, this church that had miraculously started and experienced incredible supernatural powers and God doing miracles in their midst, he wrote to that church and he said to, the, he said to them this, he said, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in love. That's what he prayed for them. He said, I pray that you'd be rooted and grounded in this love. And what he was saying is, I, I hope that it's not something that you go in and out of. I hope it's not something that it's like it's there and then it's not there. And sometimes you're it and sometimes you're not it. Um, but I pray that it would be something that is the foundation of which you do everything out, that you'd be so rooted in it, that you'd be so stable in it, that you'd be so planted in it, that it would be the very thing which you act out of. It would be the thing that you're always speaking out of. It wouldn't be something that you jump in and out of when you're feeling like you should be in it. I pray that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. And, uh, and then he wrote to the church in, in Corinthians, and he said this. He said, pursue love with eagerness. Make it your goal. 1 Corinthians 14. Can we say that together this morning? Pursue love with eagerness. Make it your, your goal. How many of you got goals for your life this morning? What are some of your goals this morning? Career goals. I want to get that promotion. I want to buy a house. I want to buy a car. You got a goal in those areas. You want to get married. You've got a goal. You, you want your marriage to be in a particular place. You've got a goal. You want to be, you know, you want to, we, we, how many, we've got goals, amen? Career goals, family goals, life goals. If you don't have, I want to encourage you, please make sure that you sit down and take some time and make some goals for your life. But how many of us here this morning would actually say that on my list is love? Hey, how many of us, how many of us would actually, on our life goals, we would say that one of them, that's my goal is love. 
I mean, imagine you went to somebody and said, hey, Brie, what's your life goals? And they were like, yeah, okay, I want to do this. What's yours? Oh, my, my number one is love. It would be a bit weird. Hey, we would love. You know, it would be strange. Um, why is it so strange to us? Why would it be something strange? It would be strange because in our minds, love is something that is ethereal. Love is something that is subjective, something that's wishy-washy. You know, we love ice cream, and we love aircon, and we, we love to shop, and we, we love music. And so love is like a, is like a feeling. It's like an, it's an emotion. It's, if something tickles our fancy, then we love that thing. We love Star Wars. You know, we love Avengers. We, we, this, it's, it's based on something that's tickled our fancy for a moment. I mean, take a listen to this, uh, this song that I want to pray for you. And if it doesn't tickle our fancy, then we don't love it. All you need is love. Da, 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 come on, join in. Sway to the left and the right. Da, da, da. All you need is love. Come on, everybody move now. Come on. Left to the right. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. You need is love. All right. (laughs) Love is something that is ethereal to us. It's like the song that's got a happy tune. It's got this. So, so how is it possible that we could ever make love a goal for our life? When it's this thing that keeps changing. It's this thing that we're, sometimes we're in and sometimes we're out of. If it's, if it's a feeling at the end of the day, how is it something that we can aim at? Because one day you will have the feeling, but we know we can't hold on to feelings. They disappear and then they're gone and that's the mindset that we have about love is that we you know we'll have the right circumstances and then we'll have that feeling and then we'll love but it's not something that we can pursue it's not something that we can aim at it's not something that we can set as one of our goals that i want to be love and i want to i don't want love to flow through my life but when you look at the bible the bible doesn't talk about love as a feeling the Bible doesn't talk about love as this emotion that gets stirred up within you, and when you have it, that's when you're doing well. The Bible talks about love as a way of life. It talks about love as a lifestyle. It talks about love as something that is very practical, something that you can practice, something that you can master, something that you can learn, something that you can measure, something that has a standard by which you can measure to see whether you're doing it or not. Did you know that? That actually in the Bible there is a love standard. There's, a, there's an example and we can measure ourselves against it. And the, and the entire New Testament, and I have to say it's the entire New Testament, what it's trying to do is to shape us into this lifestyle called love. From every, every scripture all the way through every passage, the, the end goal of it all is to shape us into this lifestyle of love. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, the goal of our instruction is what? Love, which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 
Paul was basically saying, I'm writing all these letters, I'm teaching you all this doctrine, I'm teaching you all of these things, which are amazing, but at the end of the day, the goal is that you would be more like love. That love would live more in you, and you would be more like it. That is the end goal of all my teaching. I mean, Paul's just summarized his entire letters to us. If, if you want to just have a, a, a one-word summary, like a tweet of all the letters he wrote, it would be love. That's it. The end goal is, is love. Jesus said this. He said, the greatest commandment is to, is to what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to, the second is like it, to. Then what else did he say right after that? Do you remember? Yes. Who said it? Thank you. And uh, what a champion, huh? On these two hang all the law and all the prophets. At my, please, can I have your jacket for a moment? <laughs> hey, this is a nice jacket, eh? Let me just try it on for size here. Just... Oh, it's nice and warm too, eh? Do you mind? <laughs> so, okay. Jesus said, okay, just like a jacket, all right? Is there a wallet in this pocket? Just yes. <laughs> the, This jacket, all right? Imagine, this is, this, he, has a, he has a peg, okay? And, and I'm going to hang this jacket up like that, okay? Jesus says that the peg, all right, if this jacket represents the law and all the prophets and everything that is in Scripture that God has required of our lives. He says, all of that hangs on two things. What? Love God and love people. If I take away the peg, what happens? Everything goes. Everything goes. So, so now you know why Paul said this. Thank you. This is, why, this is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, are you there? That's why he said this. He said, if I can speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but I do not have love, then I am like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. If I, if, if I, if I can have great prophetic gifting and, and speak mysteries and all these, but I, if I don't have love in what I'm doing, I'm like a, I'm like a cymbal that's banging. He said, I can, if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all wisdom and revelation, and even if I have a gift of faith that's so strong that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. In other words, you see, this is how, this is, this is how we function. We, as, as, as humans, we, we look to people with gift and ability. And if they have great musical ability or great singing ability, what do we do? We reward them. we like, yay, heroes, you know? If they can speak really well or if they have faith and, 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 and we just see God providing in a miraculous way, what do we do? We go, woo, leader, okay? But God looks down and he looks for something that is sustaining all of that. And if it's not there, then everything is for nothing. Everything is for nothing. Everything on, on those two things hangs everything. Paul said this, he carries on in this in one Corinthians 30, he says, even if I give everything that I have to the poor, 
You probably verse five or six somewhere around there. Everything I have, I give to the poor, and if I even offer my body to be burned. In other words, I become a martyr for the faith. But I have not love, says then I gain nothing. I gain absolutely nothing. Which means you can go and be a martyr for Jesus and it can profit you nothing in heaven if you did it without love. (laughs) It means you can be the most generous Christian. You can be the one that's supplying, you know, the, the feeding schemes and you could be the one that's serving the most in church. You could be the one that's always there early, packing up, doing the... You could be all of doing that. But if it's done without love... There is no credit in your account. The Bible says this. It says that not even a cup of water given to a little one goes unrewarded in my kingdom. So God sees everything that we do, and we sometimes feel like we're sacrificing. Let me tell you something. When we get to the other side, you're going to see. And you're going to be like, oh, I should have sacrificed a little bit more, right? Everything in the kingdom is rewarded. However, if it's lacking love, there's no reward for it. Which means, you know, this is good information. We need to know this because this can save us wasting our time. This can save us wasting our energy. If it's not done with this thing called love, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's worthless. It's worthless. It's worthless. And that forces us to go then go, well, why am I doing this? And for what reason am I doing this? Is it duty? Is it obligation? Is it the fear of man? Is it, you know, is it pride? Is it because I want to be noticed? Is it because I've got other objectives? Is it because I want to be praised by men? Is why am I doing this? What is the end goal? And it forces us to go, let me align with love. Let me make sure that at least what I'm doing in my life is coming from this place called love because that is the currency of heaven. That is, the, you know, the money makes the world go around. Let me tell you something. What makes the kingdom of heaven come to earth and what the kingdom go in and produce in your life is this thing called love. And when we're in it and when we're flowing from it and when we're motivated from it, it has incredible rewards and it has incredible power. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. You know what they said about the early Christians in the first three centuries? The, the early Christians that were persecuted and killed for their faith. If you just believed in Jesus, you get killed for your faith. I mean, I was chatting with Teddy yesterday, and that's happening today. Eritrea, you can't walk around with the Bible. You get put in prison. All these friends, these old pastors, everything, they're all in prison today. They don't have freedom of religion. There's like one church in Eritrea, and that's it. And then if you walk around and you start making disciples, they'll put you in jail. All these old buddies and, and youth pastors are in jail today. They're in jail now. They're in prison right now. But in the early century, it was radical. That persecution was happening, and, and, and believers were being killed. And you know what they said, what historians said about them? Because we know that eventually Christianity triumphed <laughs> and became the pervading thoughts and, and, uh, and society. Um, they said this. They said they, out, they not only outlived their enemies, but they outloved them. <laughs> Love never fails. It never fails. Even when it dies and you think all hope is gone, there's a power in it that causes resurrection and things to come back to life again because it was sown, it was the right seed that was sown. It was the right action that you did. 
And it carries that power. It carries that anointing. It's like God says, I'm going I'm, I'm to anoint the act of love. I'm going to anoint it. It carries the power. It carries the favor of heaven. So, so we would do well to take note of this thing called love. Where do we go for this measure, for this standard of love? Well, there's two places you can go in the Bible. One, John, is a good place. I've just finished reading it for the last month or two, and, and it's awesome. But there's also 1 Corinthians. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 13. It should come up as well. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Do you mind getting up and swaying around this morning? It's okay, hey? It's all right. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read it. Love is patient and kind. Okay, what, what are you... Just in your mind, I'm trying to get rid of this idea in your head that love is an emotion. That there's going to be this beautiful sunset and this awesome person sitting next to you, and your hands are going to touch, and that's love. Okay? No, that, that is a feeling of euphoria, okay? That's a chemical release in the brain. That's an emotional release that's taking place. The Bible has a different definition. And what we need to do is we need to change our definition of love. So what is God's definition? Let's look, this is what he says. Love is patient and kind. Let's read it. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It is no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Notice this. It's not describing a feeling. It's actually describing a person. Can you see that? This is a person. It's it's describing character. It's describing a way to live your life. That's what we're seeing in this passage here. So what I want you to do this morning is I want you to take a look at the scripture and I want you to put your name in the place of love. And wherever it says um, it, all right, put your name as well. So for example, I'm going to say Wayne is patient. Oh, Lord. Wayne is patient. It hurts sometimes to read, read the truth, you know. I could just stop right there. Somebody do an altar call, please. Wayne is patient and kind. Wayne is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Wayne does not demand Wayne's own way. Wayne is not irritable. And Wayne keeps no record of being wronged. Do you get the idea? I want you to say it with your own word, own mouth now. Come on, put your name in there. Put your name in, I'm going to count you down in three, okay? One, two, three, put your name in, go.
Amen? How many of you feel convicted right now? Just How many of you read that stuff and you're just feeling like that's not really true about me? Okay, now you understand why Paul said this. He said, eagerly pursue love. Make it your, make it your goal. Okay, we know we're not it. Amen? We know we're irritable and we know we're not that kind and we know we're, you know, not always hopeful, but we're like actually depressed and speaking down and, you know. We know we're not that, but let's make it a goal and let's pursue it. Amen? And let's, like Paul said, may we be rooted in that. May we be grounded in that. May when people meet us, may they meet that. And that is the goal of this thing. Now, so often he wrote that to the church in Corinth. Stay on your feet this morning. He wrote that to the church in Corinth because they were getting excited about spiritual gifts. And they were like, this guy can prophesy, and this guy can heal the sick. And they were just like, well, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. And they were like, and they were forgetting this thing called love. And so you had to be like, hey, 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 come, 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 come back here. Come back here. Don't make it about all the great things and not this thing. Make sure this thing is here and then go and do those great things as well. Because if you do all the great things out there without this, then all of that is for nothing. Okay? That's how important this thing is. Amen? Take your seats. Okay? Where else do we go in the Bible to find the standard of love? We go to 1 John 3, verse 16. It says the following. By this we know love. Okay? If, we, if you wanted to know what love is, this is the Bible is about to tell you. By this you will know what it is. Because Jesus laid down his life for us. In other words, if you're looking for a definition of love, you go to 1 Corinthians 13 and you see the character of it. And if you want to see it actually in operation, if you want to see a real live version, you go look at Jesus and you see what Jesus did. And that's what love is. He laid down his life for us. And then notice how it also then goes on and says, so we ought to also lay down our lives for for the brethren. Can you say, for the brethren? With a little bit of a British accent. Can you say, for the brethren? For the brethren? Maybe look at somebody and say, for the brethren. For the brethren. Who are the brethren? Who are the brethren? Here's the brethren this morning. Here's the brethren right here this morning. I can say it again. Here is the brethren right here this morning. Here is the brethren right here this morning. If you look around this room, can you take a look around this morning? This is the brethren. Okay. What is the scripture and the sister in? <laughs> Thank you, Langer. What, what is the scripture telling us to do to the people in this room? What is the scripture telling us to do? I know, I'm sorry if I sound like a preschool teacher this morning. I apologize, okay? What it's telling us to? How? How are we meant to lay down our lives? In? In the same way that Jesus laid down his life. So what did Jesus do for us? He came and he taught us. He blessed us. He encouraged us. He healed us. He helped us. He showed us the way. He showed us the truth. He showed us the life. He came and served us, washed feet. 
He, he, this is what all the things that Jesus did for his disciples. That's why in John 17, he said to his father, the, the ones you have given me, I have loved. In other, words, in other words, dad, I've done my job. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, he wasn't only talking about the conquering of sin, he was also talking about the example of love that the world needs is now finished. I've shown it. I've done what you've told me to do as well. Because it's all about love at the end of the day. So what are you meant to do for the people in this room? Bless them. Encourage them. If they need to be taught, teach them. Show them the way. They need healing, help them. They need provision, provide for them. And we can so easily just get into this thing of like, no, we're just at an event here this morning. Don't get on my toes. Don't come and ask anything of me. This is just an event. We sit here and we worship and we sing a song and then you preach something cool and then I go. (laughs) Do I actually have to do that here? Well, if you really want to do church, then according to the Bible, this is what we need to do. Yeah. That, that we would create something in this room that reflects what Jesus did for us individually. So Jesus has done this for me. So now I look around the room and I go, how can I do that for somebody else? What, what can I do for them? And then you're walking in love. This is how you know what love is. This is how you know what it is. And that word there in, in the Greek is agapeo. It's the verb of the Greek word agape, okay? which means it is a doing word, which means it's not something that you can hold passively. You can't have agapeo and stay where you are. I have agapeo. Okay? This is kind of like the same as, as joy. Okay? Joy is a noun. It's, it's a word used to describe the feeling. I have joy. <laughs> I have joy. I got joy down in my soul. I got some... What's this song? How's it go? Joy down in my side. Is that it? Yeah, okay. Anyway, one day I'll be a singing pastor. Okay, one day. Watch out. Maybe when I come back. (laughs) Amen. Um, Joy is a noun, and it's something that you can have just where you are right now. You can just have joy within you. But the verb of joy is what? It's rejoice. Can you do rejoice like this? Am I rejoicing? No. Okay. So it's the same with agape. You can have agape, but if you agape yo, it has to be in action. It has to be something that's flowing. It has to be something that's moving. In other words, if you're going to show agape yo, then what you need to be doing is blessing, serving. It's, it's an active word. It's a word that's, that's, that says you're doing it in motion. I'm giving, I'm serving, I'm helping, I'm encouraging, I'm doing it. It's agape yo in action. It's love in action. It's not something that you can have passively. Okay? For God so agape yoed, the world that he gave his son. So you see, agapeo, what follows immediately after agapeo? Action. So if you're going to have love one for another, what do you need to do? You need to act on it. So what does love do? Love picks up the phone and says, how, hi, how are you? What's happening in your life? Love doesn't go, no one in this church phones me. Okay? 
or why don't people call me when I'm done? No, Agapeo says, I'm going to make the first step. Now, I, I really, why don't I have any friends? Well, Agapeo says, well, I'm going to make that first move. And then there's all that fear that comes with agape. What if I'm not received? What if they don't like me? What if they don't love me back? Well, guess what? Jesus didn't wait for all of that before he went to the cross for us. He still showed agape. He didn't wait for the right set of circumstances. He wasn't like, okay, I'm going to wait till everybody is like appreciating me. Everybody needs to understand I'm the, I'm the son of God and they need to appreciate me. And when there's this awesome environment where they understand who I am and appreciate me for who I am, then I'm going to say, okay, God, now it's time. I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to, and I'm going to die for you all and just appreciate all this love right now. This is for you. You know, he didn't wait for the circumstances. People were spitting at him, throwing things at him, cursing him, and yet he was loving them. He was, that act was for them. He was like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He died for the righteous and the unrighteous in one move. So Agapio doesn't wait for like this right circumstance and, and, and for, for somebody to show something back before then I give them a little bit more. Agapio says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love. I'm going to act. I'm going to call. I'm going to find. I'm going to make the effort. I'm going to take the first step. Agapio says, what am I enjoying in my life right now that other people would enjoy too? Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's an app. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's my home. Therefore, Agapeo is very hospitable. Agapeo says, come stay at my place. Agapeo says, let me cook. Agapeo is, what's the job that nobody else wants to do? I want to do it so that I can love everybody so that they don't have to do it. And then if I go and I do wash those dishes, then nobody else wants to do that job. And I'm washing them going, nobody else wants to do the dishes. You know, I'm going to get rewards in heaven. And you all, God hates you all. You know, you know that's if I do it without love, do, am I gaining anything in this moment? No. Agapeo says, no, I'm going to do this so that you don't have to do this. Because that's love in action. And if there's a reward at the end of the day, that's between me and the Lord, and I hope He sees it, but I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'm doing it to show love. Why? Because this is what Jesus did. He washed my dirty dishes, guys. Huh? He washed my dirt out. He did, He cleansed me. You see, love flows from a revelation of what Jesus has done. It's when we see what this thing, this cross is, and what it's meant in our lives, that then it helps us then, okay, how do we reproduce that thing? And so that's why Paul said, I pray that you would know the length, the width, the height, the depth of, the, of this love that God has for us. Why? So that then you will be filled with all the fullness of God. See, when you start to plow into studying the crucifixion and you study the life of Christ and you make Jesus your Lord and your Savior and you, and you understand redemption and sanctification and holiness and what He did and you, you throw yourself into these things, what happens is you, you start to understand the length. You start to understand the depth, the height, the width of this thing and, and then it starts to change you and you go, right, I can do this for others. I can do this for others. Amen? That's what agapeo is. Michael Cassidy said this. He said, This love, which is unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill, this is a way of love which involves commitment, action, resolution, and the will. This love 
This is love as loyalty. This is love which behaves positively, generously, graciously, regardless of <laughs> maturity is learning to not act only on feelings. Why are children immature? Because they live on their feelings, man. If it feels good, hey, everything's. If they don't feel good right now, nobody needs to feel good right now. <laughs> you know, they they live on these feelings, and maturity says, no, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to live my plumb line, my standard of operation is is love. And this is so challenging for us. Why? Because we're so reactionary in our love. If we get some love then we give some love. And we'll keep giving as long as we, we're getting something back in appreciation at the end of the day. But that's not the love that we see from Jesus here. It's an agape or love. Um, so why do we struggle with this so much? Let me finish with this. Well, we have a, we have a supply and demand problem okay, when it comes to love. The economist said... Two economists, okay... We, we, have a, we have a supply and a demand problem with love. Let me, let me just talk about the demand problem. The demand problem is this. Okay, this is going to help you. This is really going to help you in your life, okay? When there is so much demand on you, and you're in such a hurry to get through what you need to do, you're not able to love with agape. When Dallas Willard said this, he said, he said, hurry is the enemy of the soul and the enemy of love. When, when there is so much demand on you and there's so much pressure on you and you have to meet the bills and you have to get to meetings and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to do that and you've got to do that. And when the demand is so much on you, have you noticed it's not easy to love? You can't think of anybody but you. Why? Because there's too much demand on you, so you've got nothing else to give. Because remember, love is something that you you give. It's something that you give to other people. But if all if if somebody is just always is something, if the life system around you is always demanding something from you, and you're in this constant state of demand, guess what? You're not going to have anything to give to anyone. And so if we're going to live in this thing called love, guys, we are going to have to manage the demand on our lives. You know, it's amazing how when you just take a little bit of space out and there's no demand on you and you can pray and you can think and you can read your word, suddenly you're then able to laugh. <laughs> because there's no demand on you. There's no pressure on you. There's no challenge that you're trying to face. And so... The thing is that every single one of us needs to learn how to manage the demand on our lives. That we create space for this thing called love. That we're not just so hurried from one thing to the next that we actually don't have anything to give to anybody. I remember going to meetings in another part of South Africa and we're all going to this meeting and, we're, and, and it was a business meeting. We're all going to the meeting. We're all walking to the, like, the conference room and everyone's going. And while I'm walking... I'm noticing the guy walking next to me and he's just like he's just stumbling along. So now I'm like the meeting. The meeting 
the meeting. You know, I'm going to the meeting, and there's this guy, and I can just, something's wrong. He's just, his head's down, and he's just, I can just, I can almost sense the pain he's in, and I'm going to the meeting. (laughs) How many times do you feel like we face with situations like this? There's people around us all the time, but we're not noticing. Why? Because there's a demand. There's a demand. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We've got to get, we've got to, get to somewhere. And I just was able just to stop. I don't know how. Probably God. And I just came next to him and I said, are you okay? And he was like, I'm fine. I said, no, you're not. And the next thing, he just broke into tears. Like literally where people are walking and everything. He was just sobbing. And then guess what? I didn't make it to the meeting. <laughs> we went for coffee instead. And he cried his eyes out because he's going through some relational challenge in his life at that moment. Love won. The meeting didn't win at the end of the day. But this is the dilemma that we're faced with. Is I've got to get this, I've got to get this report out. I've got to get this report out. Oh, there's a person who needs an encouragement, but there's the reports. Oh, hang on. I'm on my road to somewhere. And there's somebody lying on the road, beaten up and broken. What am I going to do? I've got to get to somewhere. And Jesus said, no, but the good Samaritan stopped, took some time out of his schedule. You see, I think this, this is what I think. I think the enemy weaves us, baits us into these systems of demand so that we're unable to be the image of God that Pastor Linda was talking about just now. We're so caught up in this thing called demand that we can't notice anyone around us. We can't see our kids. We can't see our wives. We can't see our husbands. We can't see our family. We just we can't see beyond this thing that is so important in us. So it's a demand problem. So we need to learn how to stop the demand. What about the supply problem? Well, <laughs> the type of love we're talking about this morning is a type of love that is not based on circumstances. It's a type of love that, that is regardless of the circumstances. It's, it's a love that, that I have that is not conditional based on something else around me. And the problem why, you know, sometimes it's easy to love someone when they come to you and they're loving to you. Hey, that person's so nice. I just want to bless them. Or I just want to do something for them. Why? Why? Because they, they, they helped you. <laughs> they actually helped you in the process. But the type of love we're talking about is, is having the ability to do it when you're getting nothing back. Which means that you, you've got nothing to feed off. There's, there's no supply coming from the person. You have to have another source of supply that's going to enable you to to love like that. You need another source. You need another supply. And in 1 John, he says this. He said, God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. In other words, the closer you are to God, the more equipped you are to love. The more distant you are from God, the more distant we are from love, and the less likely we're able to love. So we don't love, we don't live in love. Why? Because we're living so distant from God. Because God is love at the end of the day. He's the supply of love. And until you're plugged into the supply, you've got nothing to give. All right? At the end of the day, we're vessels. We receive and we give. We receive and we give. This is what human life is about. We put food in and it gets us going. gives us energy. You know, we're this continual thing. We need a supply in order to 
give? Where's the supply? The supply is the presence of God. It's God. And if you're living so distant from God, you don't have love to give to someone. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you've encountered the love of God and you're just like, oh. It's just so easy just to walk up to people and love them and encourage them and say, you're, you're this, you're that, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're awesome. Can I give you something? It's so easy when you're in the presence of God to, to give stuff away. I don't know about you. I, I, I just give things away when, I'm, when, I'm, when I feel rich with God. I'm just like always, you know, sowing something away. Why? Because he's love. And he's here. And he's in me. And if I'm not here and if I'm distant from him, then I can't show love. My last scripture this morning and then we're done. It, it's, it's Luke 22. And it says the following. It says, this, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay? This is the moment before the cross, the greatest demonstration of love there is. And the environment at that moment was incredibly hostile. I mean, this is, he was about to be betrayed. He was about to be arrested. He was about to be flogged and beaten and tortured. He was, he was just, and he knew it all. I don't know, this, I don't know what's worse. You know, it's, it's actually knowing, or I'd, I'd rather not know. Okay, just, is it going to be bad? That's all I need to know. But he knew it all. He knew that what was about to come and, 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 it is the greatest demonstration of love. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to, to lay down his life. There was going to be no cushy environment for him to do this act of love. There was going to be no circumstance that could feed him that would enable him then to show some more. In fact, it was going to be the complete opposite, dying for his enemies in that moment. And what happens? He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Look at what happens. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. He got some supply. (laughs) If you want to live in this love, you need to have moments like these. If you're going to a hostile environment every day at the work office, where everybody's out to get you, stab you in the back, step on you to get your promotion. You're in a, in a world where everybody's fighting and, and, and it's hostile and it's anti-Christian. You need this. <laughs> you need some moments where some angels can come and strengthen you and pour into you so that you can go into those circumstances and show love. Not just an emotion or a feeling, but agapeo, an active, self-sacrificing, committed love. Amen? Come, let's stand to our feet. I'm done this morning. It's really interesting when, in the book of the Revelation, it it talks about this lukewarm church that's lost its love. And and God's answer to them, or His word to them, was, He didn't say, try harder. (laughs) You've lost your love. Try harder. Do you know what he said to them? He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and I'll eat with him. In other words, the answer is not go try harder. The answer is come closer. <laughs> and the answer is come to me, I will supply. 
I'll be that supply. I will give you what you don't have so that you can be like me in this world. Let's pray. We bless your name this morning, Father. We just praise you this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us this morning in a fresh, wonderful way? Anointing fall on us this morning. Fall on us. Can you feel the anointing this morning? Such a beautiful anointing. I think it's just heaven saying, I like this word. (laughs) This is a good word. (laughs) Don't miss the moment this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Let this be one of those moments, Lord, where we just, the supply that's just lacking, would just come right now from heaven. Come and touch. Come and heal. Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. Just get alone with the Lord for a moment. Let's just, let's really have church this morning. Come on. Let's meet with our God this morning. If we don't have this thing called love, we're nothing, church. There's no love in this room for each other. We've got nothing. If we're keeping records of wrongs, if we're basing our relationships on just what other people are doing for us, are we giving what's in return? We're not living in love. And I'm putting the challenge before you this morning. I want to say, guys, let's live. Let's make love our goal. Let's be this thing. Let's be that person. Let's be that character. Let's let it define who we are and what we are and how we behave towards each other. If you need to repent this morning, why don't you just take a moment and repent? The Bible says if you fail.